Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. Which means Happy New Year. It's of course January now, 2021. Looking forward to a new year, hopefully a bit brighter than the previous year. And uh, in China, there's of course two New Years. There's Yuan Dan Jie, which is January 1st, and they do celebrate that. It is a holiday. But of course, the more important New Year in China is the Lunar New Year, which they call Chunjie, and that is Spring Festival, Chinese New Year, however you want to think of it. That happens to fall in February this year because it's different each year because of the lunar calendar. So this time of the year, you always have people saying more than once, and it's kind of a, you know an interesting time. But happy to uh, be in this time of year. It's always a time uh, in China where it feels like uh, you're ramping up to the holidays. So it's kind of a fun experience being a foreigner living in China because you get to have, you know, the Western holidays at uh, Christmas leading into New Year's. And then right when that's finished, you get to see China start to ramp up for their holiday because Chunjie is very similar to Christmas in the sense that it's kind of the time of the year where the entire country takes some time off. They go see their family. And uh, so it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to experience that every year. Today's podcast, we're going to start with a grammar point. And today's grammar point covers the character Ba. Now, this is a character when I was at Sichuan University that the teachers seemed like they were so concerned. How are we possibly going to ever understand this character Ba? Because it's used in a way that is different from how we structure grammar in English. And so it was almost like they were afraid, how could you possibly understand this thing that doesn't exist in your native language? But the reality is that as long as you know how to think about it, it's really not that hard. And of course, our prescription is, is always read, 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 and you'll eventually get the hang of it, no problem. That said, though, we'll go over some sentences today that will help you conceptualize in what context you might use this character and also how to avoid overanalyzing it. But the problem, and I do understand why people struggle with this, because take something like this. Here's how... Plico, the dictionary for English to Chinese, describes the character Ba. So, and just this, I'm just going to say right up front, this is not the best way to think about it, but let's just see what Pleco says, and I quote, Ba, preposition, used to shift the object ahead of the verb, which must be reduplicated or accompanied by some other word or expression. And, you know, like, I can't make heads or tails of that. I mean, I can sort of like, okay, shift an object in front of the verb. All right, but, but why though? It's not a very useful way of thinking about it. So here's a simpler way to think about ba. When the object is the point of the sentence and what happens to it is the point of the sentence, use ba. Now there are exceptions to this, but this is kind of like the most basic rule of thumb. You know, you have your basic subject, verb, object, you know, I love you, ni. But if the purpose of the sentence is to talk about what happened to the object, then that's when you might use ba. So here's a sentence that can give you your first example of this. Put the phone on the desk. So this sentence is emphasizing what should happen to the phone in some detail. Now, compare this to this sentence. 他用手机来发短信. 
she uses a mobile phone to send texts. Now, this sentence also has a shouji, a, a cell phone, a mobile phone in it. But the point of the sentence is not to emphasize what happened to the mobile phone, but rather to explain how she sends texts, right? So first sentence, 把手机放在书桌上. That's focusing on what you're doing with the phone. You're putting it on the desk and it's emphasizing that location. And there's some detail about the location. It's not just like fang. Um, it's So it's giving some indication of where it's going. Now, why wouldn't you use subject verb object? Why not just say Right? Like, why not just say it that way? Well, this is always the question people ask. It's put grammatically, why turn the subject verb object into subject plus ba plus object plus verb? Uh, what's wrong with subject verb object? Well, you know, when you're at this stage in the course, because this uh, lesson is going to be in level 35 of the Mandarin Blueprint method, uh, you're already getting a, a yu fa gan, uh, which is a feeling for grammar. Yu fa is grammar. Yu fa gan is that feeling of grammar that you get after getting a lot of input. And so have you ever seen a sentence so far that has an action followed by an object followed by more descriptions about the verb? So for example, fang shouji zai shu shang. The answer should be, no, you haven't seen that because it never happens in Chinese. You don't ever do this situation where you have the action first, then you have the object, then you have further descriptions of the action, right? You need to put the action and the descriptions about the action together. And so um, you this is one of those things that happens in Chinese. The, what you can think of it is the verb and its modifiers never get separated. And this is why you need to move the object out of the way. So, you know, you could see it as like, because you can't do this, because you can't say, that's it. It's wrong. You have to you have to move the object out of the way so that can be um, all together. And so that's what you use ba for. You say Here's the thing. This is this is actually good news because once you understand the above point, just follow these three conditions to understand ba. Condition, the first condition is simple verbs with no extra dressing. There's no extra modifier to the verb. Don't require ba. For example, 吃这个热狗, eat this hot dog. Simple, there's no extra dressing. But once you quote unquote add dressing, this is like a way of thinking about adding some kind of modifier to the verb. You add some dressing to it. Then you use ba to keep the verb and its description together. So let's look at this sentence, which is quite similar to the previous sentence, but let's take a look. Ba finish eating this hot dog. Okay, so you'll notice here that we added a result to chi. So you cannot put and then add one after it. That's totally wrong. It feels every every part of my you know goes off when I hear that. I go, no, that doesn't make sense. So because there's this dressing to the chi, this modifier, this additional result added to chi, you therefore need to move 热狗 out of the way, and ba does that. 
Now here's the third condition. Make sure that the verb describes what happens to the object. Some verbs only describe the subject's perception or mental state of the object. And so this is really important. You know, I always think of this. Um, <laughs> I've told this story before, but there was this time I had a miscommunication on St. Patrick's Day years ago when I was just starting to learn Chinese. Uh, and so the, the lesson from this is never use the word gun uh, to <laughs> tell somebody to go away unless you're really angry with them <laughs> because uh, it's kind of like saying F off. And I didn't know this. I just learned it academically in class. And there were these guys at 1.30 in the morning who were kind of like super drunk and uh, saw me on the street and were just like, oh, hey, foreigner, come over here, foreigner. And I just didn't want them to bother me. I was tired and heading home after celebrating St. Patrick's Day with my friends. So I also was a bit tipsy. And I just wanted them to go away. And because in class I had heard uh, somebody, um, I'd heard the idea that good means go away. I said to the guys, good. And they got very angry. And they, the one guy hit me in the head with a bottle. And so... You know, it was a harrowing experience, I suppose. Uh, I'm fine. Um, but the uh, what was interesting about that was that I also learned some Chinese grammar because I was saying to people, um, uh, not my hand, the um, and uh, that would mean they, well, that's actually incorrect because they so like they they used a bottle to hit my head. They didn't take the bottle and hit my head because if you use ba pings, then you would say what happened to the bottle. Ba pings da suela, right? So I took the bottle and I smashed it, right? That's focused on the object. So I learned in that moment that is not a situation where you use ba because the purpose of the sentence was to talk about the fact that they hit my head, not what happened to the bottle. See how that's an important way to think about this? You want to ask yourself, is the point of this sentence, what happened to the object? So that's a, you know, imagine uh, that there's this guy, you know, he's hitting me in the head with a bottle. In that case, if I want to get across the point that it's my head, I'll say, 他用瓶子打了我的头. He used the bottle to hit my head. If I wanted to say that he just had the bottle and he smashed it, like I don't know, suppose the scenario were different and he it was even more aggressive and he smashed the bottle to to like threaten me with the shards or whatever, like you see in movies, then I would say, right? And then, um, or even maybe, you know, uh, not maybe, uh, maybe like or something, but the point is, you would say what he was doing to the bottle and then you would move on to like whatever he did with it afterwards to try to hurt me and so that was an example that really stuck in my head this is how you use ba it's focused on the object so when i say ba it's still talking about what's happening to the hot dog it's the hot dog that is the ultimate thing now in this condition three Sometimes we need to think about perception or mental state towards the object. So, 我听错了,明天出发的时间, I misheard tomorrow's departure time. So, 听错 is indeed a verb with some dressing, a verb result, but 
it's not happening to the object. The object is 明天出发的时间 so the departure time tomorrow.、Uh, that nothing happened to it. You just perceived it wrong. 我听错了 I heard incorrectly. I perceived incorrectly the Uh, departure time tomorrow, but nothing happened to it. Nothing about the departure time was changed, and so the point of the sentence is not about what happened to the object; it's about your perception of the object. So, the simple way to understand this is: this often comes up when it goes comes to sensual or perceptual verbs like "can" or "wen" to smell,、uh, or "xiang" like to appear as if, right? Things like "ting tuo" or.、Uh, 看到 right? These are examples of verbs, perceptual verbs, with、um, a result that do not use the ba,、uh, because they are merely talking about the speaker's perception, their mental state. They're not actually referring to some sort of change that happened to the object. So, for example, 我爱上了她我爱上了她 I fell in love with her. You know, this didn't. Maybe you could say that because you fell in love with her, things happened to her emotionally. But like, it's not specifically something that happened to the object of the sentence, which is ta. It is merely the subject wo, their perception. So that's why you know you wouldn't say.、Um, well, I'm not even going to say the wrong sentence. I don't like focusing too much on wrong ways of saying it. But like, I of course is a feeling. It's a psychological verb. So by definition, it's taking place in the mental state of the subject, and it's not happening to the object. So there's other psychological verbs、um, you've learned that、um, don't usually work, including 喜欢想怕讨厌 and 担心 There's several more, but that's the idea. So like. Let's go into a little bit more detail about what counts as dressing. These things that you can do、uh, to the verb to, that you can't separate and therefore need to move the object out of the way. So, assuming the condition three is met, that is to say, there is no、uh, perception or mental state problem with the、uh, verb and its dressing, then we, there are four basic rules about how you can add dressing to a Verb.、Uh, one of them is adding a result. One of them is adding a location, adding a direction, and adding quantity to the verb. So, you know, 吃 becomes 吃好 So there, there's a result. Or 放 becomes 放在这儿 So there, you're adding a location.、Uh, place it here. You've got 带 which means to take. You've got 带回来 which is a direction. So you're taking it back,、uh, you're returning it back. And things like that, you've got,、uh, or you could say can, or kanisha. Kanisha means to look at something one time. You know, isha means a time. So kanisha means one time. That's adding quantity. So let's look at a few more examples. We already talked about this sentence. Ba, jiga rugo, chu wan, finish eating this hot dog. So this is a result. You've added a result to chu, and therefore, because the object is the Hot dog, and the sentence is talking about what happened to the hot dog. That is the focus.、Um, so finish eating this hot dog. 把手机用坏了 Break the phone through overuse. So you know this is basically the same type of thing. 用 means is the verb. 坏 is the result. So the you used it until it was broken. 用坏了 And because of that, you need to shift. 
um, shoji before the verb, and you do that with ba. Ba shoji yong huai le. Now let's talk about adding a location after the verb. So here's the sentence we talked about earlier. Ba shoji fang zai shu zhuo shang. Put the phone on the desk. So again, the location is zai shu zhuo shang. And as a result, you can therefore know that's the point. The point here is that, you know, you're putting the phone on the desk. And that's why you need to put shouji in front of the verb fang. Here's another one about location. Ba qian fang zai bao li. Put the money in the bag. So again, qian must go before fang because you can't separate fang and zai bao li. You need to keep the verb and its dressing together. You know, again, as long as it's not a perceptual or mental state-based verb, but it's clearly not in this case. Let's talk about adding a direction. Ba dong xi dai hui lai. Bring the stuff back. So you need to keep dong xi and dai separate, or sorry, you should need to keep dai and hui lai all together because that's what it goes, they go together. It's the verb and it's modifier, the verb and it's dressing. So use ba to shift dong xi in front of dai so that it can stay with hui lai, dai hui lai, ba dong xi, dai hui lai. Here's another one. Ba bao, rong xia qu. Throw down the bag. So here you have the verb rong, which means to throw, and the direction xia qu, down. So rong xia qu needs to stay together. Therefore, bao needs to be shifted in front of rong, so that rung and xia qu can stay together, and you do that by using ba. Ba bao, rung xia qu. Now, how about adding quantity to the verb? Here's another one. Qing ni ba men kai xia. Qing ni ba men kai xia. Please open the door for a moment. So, kai xia means open for a moment. So, this is probably the context of somebody, you know, maybe somebody's knocking on the classroom door, the teacher says, uh, open the door for a moment with the implication close it again after you let the person in. So uh, because we have kai and yixia, it's dressing, we need to keep them together and the object, men, the door, needs to be shifted uh, further back in the sentence. So um, so there's an, ex there's an example where the sentence doesn't start with ba. And it doesn't have to start with ba. And it also can be a question. Um, it just depends on the context. Like for example, um, uh, I could say, Ni ba men kai ma. Did you open the door for a moment? Right? I could just change the structure of the sentence and turn it into a question. So this is the type of thing where sometimes people will be like, well, is the reason I didn't use ba here because it was a question? It's like, no, questions are irrelevant. You can use questions or statements with ba. The question is only, you know, what is the purpose of the sentence? Is it focusing on what happened to the object or not? And is it your perception or not? Here's another example of adding quantity to the verb. He once again said his phone number. So, and is the verb. It needs to be uh, paired with its dressing. And in this case, it also is a completed action. So, we add And also, in this sentence, we even also have the fact that he has said it again. So, so clearly the person didn't remember it originally. So, And so, and 
that's the object. What happened to it? It got said. And so uh, that's why we need to separate the and uh, because needs to stay together. Now, here's a way you can think about this that makes it a little bit easier to understand sentences. Uh, and this is, I find this to be quite helpful when you're thinking about ba, which is to change the translation a little bit. Now, we're not saying this is the right way to train, to change, um, sorry, the right way to translate any given ba sentence from a uh, academically translation, like if you were taking a translation class, they probably wouldn't say to translate it like this. However, I find it a, a useful mental exercise to take some of the sentences that we have covered in today's lesson and just translate them differently by saying, take uh, this object and verb with dressing. You know, so it just helps conceptualize the structure. So for example, 把手机放在书桌上 take the mobile phone and put it on the desk. You know, if you just do, if you think of it like that, it helps to kind of conceptualize what's happening if you could imagine it in your head in a, in a visualized way. Take the mobile phone and put it on the desk. 把这个热狗吃完, take this hot dog and finish eating it. Now you'll notice that I put the it in these last few in uh, brackets because technically you're saying it twice when you use this translation and that's why I say it's not necessarily the perfect translation but it is something that again it just helps you understand this is take this hot dog that's the purpose of the sentence take this hot dog and finish eating it right you you see how that helps you realize okay when you're looking at a ba sentence how can we conceptualize this as being about the object took the mobile phone and broke it through overuse. So again, same type of deal. You know, you can kind of get the idea of how this works. 把钱放在包里. Take the money and put it in the bag, right? 把东西带回来. Take the stuff and bring it back. 把包扔下去. Take the bag and throw it down. Again, these aren't necessarily the absolute rules of how you should... Uh, translate these sentences, but it does help conceptualize that the purpose of the sentence is the object. So please let us know if you have any more questions about this. There was a question that came in uh, that's directly relevant, and so I wanted to put it in this lesson. So this came from Jason Pond, and it was uh, from the lesson in context. He says, in the legacy comments section, you provided this example sentence. 这件衣服可以试穿吗? Here, it put the object before the verb. In the following sentence for fun in context, ba is used to bring the children object in front of the fun kai verb. Ba,这两个小朋友,分开. Why then is ba not used in the sentence above if the construction is rather similar? Is it because it is a question and the object is supposed to precede the verb interrogative? Thanks. So let's think about these two sentences. The first sentence is, 这件衣服可以试穿吗? Which translates as, can I try on this piece of clothing? Uh, so you're probably saying this to a shopkeeper, right? Can we think about why it is that this sentence does not use ba? What about this sentence gets across the idea that uh, ba would be wrong and that we shouldn't use ba? And what about this sentence means that we should? Ba,这两个小朋友。分开, right? Well, 
while you're thinking about the first sentence, let's talk about the second sentence. This makes perfect sense because the object is 这两个小朋友. And what, what is the purpose of the sentence? It's to take these two children and separate them, right? So certainly the object of the sentence is the whole point and fun is a verb, kai is a result. So it's one of those adding results. We can't separate fun kai, so therefore we need to put 这两个小朋友 in front of fun so that it can stay with its dressing kai, fun kai. So that makes sense. So while you've been thinking about that first sentence, I'll explain now why it is that the first sentence is not appropriate to use ba. Because what is the purpose of this sentence? 这件衣服可以试穿吗? Well, it's to ask permission. You're not asking to 把这件衣服撕开吗? Which would mean to rip it open, <laughs> rip it apart. That would be something where you're taking the piece of clothing and you're doing something to it, and then kai the result, kai. So in that case, you would totally use ba. But in this case, 这件衣服可以试穿吗? What you're doing in this sentence is asking for permission to try it on. The purpose of the sentence is to get permission. It is not about what to do to the object. So hopefully that helps think about this ba structure and how to uh, keep inputting in the future. As always, the best way to acquire this structure is to bear in mind these things that I've said and just use them to notice how the structure works in the future. So with that in mind, uh, keep up with your uh, lessons in phase five of the course. If you're seeing this on the course and if you're hearing this on the podcast, we'll move on to the comments and emails. Our first question by email today comes from Jason Pond, and it's a follow-up to the question we covered just before this about ba, and it's a further uh, question about how to use ba. So he says, hey, Phil, thanks for the detailed loom explanation. As you said, it is helpful to be aware of the use of ba without overanalyzing. This sentence in my flashcards, 你每一页都要认真地看, appears to have the subject before verb, and it looks like there is dressing on the kan, which is the 认真, is that why the subject is before the verb? I would have thought the sentence to be 你要认真地看一页都, or is this a psychological verb, which is why no ba is used. So first of all, you'll never end a sentence with do. Uh, so you might say 你要认真地看每一页. You might say that, but here's why you would say 你每一页. First of all, uh, yes, it is a perceptual verb, and this is part of why you wouldn't use ba. The second reason is because 认真的 is, you, you know, you might think of it as a dressing, but it's not one of the dressings that we talked about in the ba article. It's like, it's not adding a result behind the verb. It's not, um, it also, it comes before the verb, right? So it's like, the fact that it becomes before the verb is part of the reason. I mean, a big reason the ba structure exists is because of the word order. So it's because of what comes after the verb that forces the need to move the object early in the sentence. So, um, you know, so the idea here is that 认真的 comes before 看, which is in and of itself uh, a reason why you don't need to use 把, but it is a perceptual verb. Um, and so here's the issue with the word order. A lot of times word order is just trying to emphasize which thing is more important. So, 
都要认真的看。What this sentence is focusing on is the need to be conscientiously reading every page. It's not so much about every page. It's that no matter what,、uh, you regardless of what page you're reading, you need to conscientiously read it. 认真的看 But if I were to change the word order and say 你要认真的看每一页 That would be more focused on the every page element of it, and so it would be saying,、uh, you know, for example,、uh, if you're saying ni mei ye, do yao ren zhen de kan. What you might be getting across there is that it's not that you need to read every single page today. It's just that every page that you read needs to be conscientiously read. <laughs>、um, whereas the second sentence more implies every page you need to read every page. By putting me yet at the end of the sentence, you get the sense that、um, it's that's the focus. The focus is that it's every page, and so hopefully、uh, that kind of can show you. Sometimes the word order is just about emphasis,、um, and what's important to understand here is that you know, as soon as you introduce two verbs, as soon as you have two verbs in a sentence, this is not your standard Chinese sentence. So we'll say. Here's your basic Chinese sentence. It's subject plus time plus location、um, plus doing what, right? And so, 他今天在家吃饭 right? So you got that basic structure. But in that sentence, there's only one verb,、uh, which is 吃饭 right? As soon as you introduce a sentence that has more than one verb, like、um, 你每页都要认真的看。We're not talking about that basic structure anymore. It's a new structure that is、um, not overly complicated. You're you've gotten the、uh, feeling for grammar. We'll definitely fairly easily be able to pick up on this. But when you have more than one verb, word order becomes more important because it's about emphasis. So, like I said, if you put 每页都要认真的看 your emphasis is the conscientious reading. And if you say 你要认真的看每一页 then the focus is about that it's every page.、Um, so hopefully that makes it clear. And thanks for the question from Jason. Next we have a question from Richard Story on level sixteen complete. So this is about halfway through phase three of the course. Many thanks for putting this course together. It's great to be able to read, write, and speak full sentences in a relatively small amount of time. Despite several attempts/slash false starts with other Chinese courses, this is the first time I have been able to write in Chinese. Your methods definitely work, despite me having what I would consider to be a poor memory. A little tip for others: I'm finding writing characters in the steam on the shower cubicle glass is great practice and another way to gain a few more minutes practice each day. See, I love that attitude, right? Looking for every moment where you might be able to find a character, you know, like I'll write characters on my hands with my finger. You know, obviously I'm not literally writing them, but it's just a good way to quickly get the idea to run through your brain again, run those neural patterns again,、uh, get them to think about the different components and all of that. And of course, if you're writing in the steam in the shower, it's even will stay there for a bit. So,、um, <laughs> speaking of my、uh, my friend. Germain, when we were living in Beijing,、um, we were learning some characters at the time, but it was before I really got serious about learning Chinese. And、uh, but we had both learned several characters, and、uh, he, you know, we were roommates, right? So、uh, a lot of bathrooms in China have the shower on the wall, and there's no real partition. You know, usually in the West, there's like kind of 
a partition, at least in America, there's like partitions and the shower is kind of a separate spot. Um, but in China, oftentimes the shower head is just on the wall and then you just kind of clean it up uh, on the floor from there after you shower. And uh, so there was a sink and a mirror in the bathroom. And so when you would uh, shower, of course, the mirror would get all fogged up. And so what he did was he put the character, which means to die. He just he put it in like soap on the uh, on the mirror so that it would only show up after the fog happened. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I was, I was laughing pretty hard because I was like, wait a second. Am I about to be murdered? And I was like, wait, no, this is just Jermaine. But um, yeah, so like you can totally do that. It's a good attitude to have, um, you know, your your different um, characters in and practice that you fit into any given moment. Like a lot of times we think we don't have time, but it's really just that we're not making good use of it. And so this is a great example of making great use of your time. Even a few minutes reactivates that little Chinese uh, element to it. Next, we have Soren on Vocab Unlocked from Ji. Out of sheer curiosity, I put the above sentence into Google Translate, which provides the following pinyin. Ta dan And um, so what Soren's pointing out here is that Google Translate got the pinyin wrong. So he says, it's incredibly cool to know with confidence that Google Translate is wrong, and this should be tan uh, without having to look it up. Thanks for an excellent course. That's right. So this character, um, it's got the bow component on the left, and then it has the um, dan, meaning single component on the right, which is mostly just a, a phonetic component. The bow component is about plucking, right? So you pluck a bow, right? And when it means pluck, like you would pluck a guitar, or you would pluck, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a upright bass, that's called tan, tan. Uh, it's also like kind of spring, springy type of thing is tan. But this character can also mean like a bomb or a bullet or a grenade. And when it means that, it's pronounced dan. Um, and for example, a dan uh, is a bullet. So it's a child bomb. <laughs> That's a bullet. So And um, what Google Translate thought was that this guy was bombing his guitar. But no, he was tan zita, tan zita. That's how you say to play a guitar. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting because in English, we usually just say play before any individual uh, instrument. But in Chinese, it depends on what you're doing. So like, for example, tan uh, jita is what you would say there. Da gu to play drums. So hit the drums, right? Chui xiao hao. Chui means to blow. So blow a trumpet, basically. And, you know, so there's, it's funny how there's these different verbs for the different instruments. And it's like, yeah, it's more accurate. It's an example where Chinese is more precise than English. Uh, this happens all the time. And of course, English is more precise than Chinese in many cases. But it's pretty cool uh, how you can notice those things. So congratulations to Soren on doing so well. Another one from Soren on Vocab Unlocked from Kui. He said, I thought I'd flag a sentence I can't make out a sensible meaning from above. 这种亏 this loss we eat too much is you know what he's trying to figure out the translation to be and so koi is like a loss of some sort and to koi so the way uh you know it could be a loss like um it could be a financial loss it could be 
a, a loss. It could be any kind of loss, really. Uh, it's often associated with financial loss, but it could be a loss of a loved one or something like that, or, or just general suffering uh, that you've dealt with and the losses associated with it. So the, the process of going through that loss, the Chinese conceptualize, conceptualize that as you're eating it. Right, but because it's that verb what structure where you have true, which is a verb, and kui, which is the loss itself, you can therefore separate them. And so that this sentence is really just a recapitulation of the word So we've suffered too much of this type of loss, is basically the idea there. So uh, hopefully that clears that up. Jeff Johnson on he in context. So I am wondering. It was said that if we can understand the sentence, we can mark it as correct and move on. I am understanding the written sentence is just fine, but some of the recordings in Anki are hard for me to really feel like I understand what is being said. At this point, I am marking it correct, and I expect that at some point my ability to keep up with the recordings will improve. This is correct, right? Yes, absolutely. So first of all, we're about to introduce something in, in probably a couple of months that will uh, help with this particular um it, it will help with this particular uh element of learning which is that we're going to have all of the mp3 files from your flashcards will also be bundled together so that you can put them on in your house for uh you know sort of listening and we're going to name the files the sentence you know the name of the sentence so that way if you had your you know all the mp3s on your phone and it was in your like music app or something you could see what the sentence is um while it's playing but you know that's just that's something we're going to do soon but jeff is pointing out and quite correctly that listening is always the hardest listening always comes last because it you kind of only have one chance right <laughs> you hear, you hear somebody say something you could ask them to repeat but you're not going to get a lot of extra time to understand what they're saying. It's just, it's the hardest thing to get. So of, you know, uh, reading, listening, speaking, and uh, uh, writing, listening is probably the hardest one, you know, and that's a form of input. And so this is why uh, getting to be able to read is so important in the early stages because it's actually kind of possible for you to do, whereas listening can be really tough because it's just, you know, there's, it's happening quickly. Somebody has a slight accent. There's, you know, there's elements to it that are always going to make listening a little bit tougher. Um, but it does come. And the only way that it's going to possibly be able to come is for you to uh, build up a conceptualization of how sentences are structured and how words sound. And of course, you know, it's when you're reading, the interleaved learning of reading and listening at the same time helps your brain make these connections. And as you continue to do this and keep doing this holistic learning that we cover in... Um, this course, you're going to find that the the different the different elements of uh, listening, reading, writing, and speaking, you know, that the listening it just follows later. It still comes at this at a similar pace. It's just lagging behind. So if you imagine they're they're all moving, you know, up a mountain, the listening is just a several maybe a couple kilometers behind, but it will catch up. Uh, it's just natural. And then it kind of, there there are these things that'll happen where you've sort of built up enough different points of understanding that you can, uh, that as a result of those different points of understanding, you start to 
your listening starts to pick up really quickly, but it's still a bit early for that if you're only at in context. That's uh, I think that's level 14, so we're really a bit early for that to start happening yet. But good question from Jeff, though. John Nomura on bonus, the holistic Chinese learning approach. Lots of people teaching Chinese emphasize that you need to be reading comprehensible input to really start acquiring the language fast. And then they tell you to go find content where you know 98% of the characters. Good luck finding that. Of course, now I know that I should have been learning the 1,500 or 3,000 or so most frequent characters so that I can find comprehensible input. Even if I knew that, I didn't have a good method for memorizing the characters, so now I feel that I have a goal that I can achieve. I've been studying Chinese for quite a while using just the pinyin, but it is crazy difficult to keep all the same sounding characters straight. You really need to learn the characters. No way around it. So glad I'm finally using a good method to acquire Chinese. Well, I really appreciate this type of comment because it shows that somebody on the course like John, who's been doing a great job, has understood why we made it, right? Because this is the crux of the problem. You know, it is true that 98% comprehension extensive reading is one of the fastest ways to acquire language. It is true that comprehensible input is completely necessary. But without knowing the characters, there's really just no easy way to get there other than just struggling, pain, rote memorization, forgetting what you learned, feeling uh, dejected, quitting for a while, losing a lot of your knowledge, going back to it, trying again, uh, you know, when you have a head of steam and then life gets in the way and you've forgotten again, you know, you leave Mandarin Blueprint for a period of time, you're going to go back to it and you're going to remember these zany scenes you made and you'll be amazed. They'll, they'll come right back to you and uh, how to do the method will come right back to you. And so, you know, it's just so much better this way and that way your comprehensible input is actually possible. So great to hear that from uh, John. Next, we have a question from Christopher Thompson on make a movie for Pin, uh, which we give uh, the keyword as to hire. And he says, I figure this question will be answered in the next lesson, but is this the British hire, i.e. the American rent? Like, I guess, yeah, in England, you would say hire a car uh, and we'd say rent a car in America. But no, this is the hire is in hire an employee. Um Zhao Pin means to uh, like put out an ad for employment to try to get employees. So Zhao means like come here. So Zhao Pin like the, come applicants, and then you've you've got Ying Pin, which means uh, to accept uh, an application or to accept the job. So uh, yeah, that's um, it's about hiring employees. That's what it's about. Ija on vocab unlocked from Xiao. Glad to see that Ija's commenting again. She says, I'd like to think that Xiaoxi is personal news and not broadcasted news. Xinwen, that's true. News so personal that it tends to take your breath away. Xiao ni de xi. Ha ha. Yeah, sure. So Xiao means to like kind of disappear or like uh, extinguish. Um, and then she is can mean breath. So Xiaoxi, it's like so personal it takes your breath away. See, this is a great example of using the vocab mnemonic uh, living links idea. And then, uh, also, and she says, and when food goes through the digestive system, the food disappears, xiao, and changes hua into carbs, protein, fat, micronutrients. True. Because xiao hua is the process of digestion. And, uh, so yeah, that's totally, she's getting the right idea here with, um, xiao and the words that it unlocks. Ija also left a joke on mayo in context. She says, 
A vegan walks into the shop and points to the vegetarian sandwich. Sandwich, jiga sandwich, yo mayo, mayo, as in mayonnaise, mayo, mayo, hal, right? So a little good way to um, get get across the idea of mayo is not the same as mayonnaise. Sure, nice joke there, Ija. Hungbao on welcome, three things to do right away. From comment above, if you know how to read, write, and pronounce a character, what is the difference between read and pronounce? Well, this is a good question, actually, because is that obvious? When you look at a character and you know how to pronounce it, does that mean you know how to read it? Well, I would say no, because if you can look at a character and you know how to pronounce it, I mean, there's a, like, for example, um, sure. There are a lot of characters pronounced Sure. Does knowing that this character is pronounced sure mean you can read it? Well, no, because you don't know what it means, right? So just knowing what how it's pronounced does not tell you anything about what it means. Now, in many cases, you can guess uh, what a character might uh, be pronounced like because of the phonetic element of the phonetic semantic compounds. So this is the idea that when you have a character, you have a basic character, a very simple character, that then gets used in other characters, but the only purpose it has in that other character is to relate it back to the original pronunciation. So, for example, Zhen is the character for person. It's just two strokes, Zhen. And there's another character, Zhen, which means to recognize, and that has the left side component of uh, of language, and it usually, Zhen, is, is in relation to, for example, Zhen zi means you're able to read, you're able, you have the ability to recognize letters or recognize characters, right? And so the right side component of Zhen is the full character Zhen. And so the reason why Zhen is in the character Zhen is to give a hint as to the pronunciation. But so you can maybe get a hint about the pronunciation of a character and you can maybe get a hint about the meaning from the semantic component but it doesn't mean that you know what how to read the character. It doesn't mean you know what it means. So that's the difference between reading and pronouncing. Um, now, probably what um, Hung Bao was thinking here, I think his name is Alex. What Alex was thinking here was reading out loud, lang du. That's what you called reading out loud in Chinese, lang du. And it's like, well, wait, isn't, isn't pronouncing and reading out loud the same thing? And it's like, sure, in that case, yeah. But... You, what we mean by read is that you understand what the character means. So that's the difference. Christopher Thompson on Make a Movie for Ye, which means leaf. He says, is it just a coincidence that leaf, ye, and page, ye, both have the same pronunciation? In English, and these are, if you're not, if you're just listening, these are two separate characters that do not look the same. The first means leaf and the second means page. In English, the pages of a book can be referred to as leaves, and we leaf through pages. In Spanish, there is something similar. Sheets of paper are hojas. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, as are the leaves on a tree. I feel like the fact that pages are flat and wide like leaves, and that early writing surfaces were likely made of leaves or were simply leaves, makes a connection there that is reflected in more than one language. Just curious, in any case, it helps me remember the words. That's the key thing that he said there at the end. In any case, it helps me remember the words because I don't know the etymology of that. Um, that never occurred to me, actually, but good connection. Uh, and I don't know. It's one of those things where it could have um, been related, like maybe, um, 
you know, when whenever the early pronunciations were coming out of these two characters, which are relatively, you know, old characters, both of them, uh, the reason that they decided to have uh, Paige pronounced yet, um, maybe they were already both called yet, and then later they changed the character for one of them because they were like, well, you know, this is sort of a separate concept, a page of a book versus a leaf. I imagine leaf probably came first. But uh, I don't know. I don't know the actual etymology, but like Christopher said at the end, in any case, it helps me remember the words. And that's the goal. So uh, any connections like that that help you remember, that's the key. Jonathan Evans on the ninth lesson of the rapid acquisition crash course, how to integrate Chinese characters, vocabulary, and grammar. Only thing I wish is that the, the lessons were longer throughout the various programs. I find it easier to take in 10 to 15 minute chunks of content as straight study instead of shorter two to three minute chunks. Yeah, so I do appreciate this, uh, this point and it is a consideration that we made. Um, so like, here's why we decided to do it piecemeal, bit by bit, because we want each lesson to focus on one thing. We want the purpose of this lesson to make you go, okay, for this moment, my attention is on picking an object to represent this character component, picking a prop. And then the next lesson, we want your full focus to be on a mnemonic scene to remember a particular character pronunciation or character pronunciation meaning and writing. And then the next lesson, we want your entire focus to be on finding a living link to this two character word from the character you just learned. Uh, that way you're compartmentalizing your learning into individual facts and no individual fact is overwhelmingly difficult. The fact that no individual fact is not overwhelmingly difficult means that the only question that you have to face what with when it comes to learning Chinese is consistency the only and that's a big challenge showing up every day is a big challenge but it's still something that's you know surmountable it's a something that you can overcome uh, as a challenge whereas if you're able to overcome that challenge but your materials are too vast and disorganized then even the showing up every day might not work, right? I mean, it still probably will work eventually, but it'll probably take a longer time. Um, the whole point of Mandarin Blueprint is if you show up every day, you'll definitely get useful information that makes you better at Chinese, no doubt about it. It connects to, uh, you know, everything that came before it. Now, there's no such thing as a perfect curriculum because everybody's brains are different and all of that. But we, we, what we do know is that uh, you're getting the most frequent information, you're getting the most frequent characters, words, components, it's all a part of the um, what you need to learn. So as a result, there's um, those two to three minute chunks are each covering an individual thing you must know. So I do appreciate uh, that point from Jonathan here because yeah, like people, everybody has different sort of study and ways of enjoying studying and certainly 10 to 15 minute sessions can be cool. And like you can do your, uh, you know, go over several things in a 10 to 15 minute session and then, and all of that. But we decided to go with the short chunks so that every lesson would be focused on individual fact. And it also makes it easier to go back and reference them. So uh, cool. Julian Laffey on make a movie for Lang, which means a wave. How does this differ from bo 
you know, so this is a good question. So lang, first, first of all, lang, uh, can uh, be a word by itself. It can be just a wave by itself. Um, and bo is just a morpheme, but bo lang is the main word for a wave of the ocean, for example. Um, but bo can also be used in, uh, various other forms. For example, bo can be used in, to indicate like a sound wave, um, or, you know, things, things that are, where waves are not necessarily just waves of the ocean because there's waves in more than just water, right? So you'll see bo and those, those different things. And then lang can also be used in the word lang man. But one of the points I would make here to Julian is that if you, if you see two similar characters that have similar keywords, one difference is usually tends to be that maybe one's only a morpheme and one's a full word. Uh, they could be that both characters are used in a word together and they, it's one, it's what's called a juxtaposed word where both of the morphemes are pretty much the same, like which means uh, wave of the ocean. And so with that in mind, you know, you can say from this point onward, the only point to know is that here they are as morphemes. I'm going to see them in the future in several different words, and you'll just naturally get a feel for it from, from there. I mean, synonyms and similar words exist in all languages, so it's not that strange to begin with, but the way that you kind of end up sorting it out in Chinese is by seeing, you know, how those words get used in different contexts and what they, you know, for example, uh, Weibo Lu is a um, microwave. Right, so Wei is like a mini or micro, like Wei Xin is a WeChat, which is like mini messages. Um, so Wei Bo microwave, and then Lu is a oven, microwave oven. Right, so that's an example where you'll use Bo, but you wouldn't use Bo by itself. It must be combined uh, with Wei uh, to make microwave, and then you therefore, and then you have a word, and that well, and then you also have to combine it with Lu because it's an oven fundamentally. Jason Pan on Kongjian in context. Two questions. Fumu Yao Yao translates to should for should give. Is this part of a longer form content that provides context? Yes. Uh, this is the answer. I'm going to leave the rest of his question out because it's irrelevant. Yes, this is a part of a longer form content about how parents should consider raising their children and the the sentence, like the context is basically like, you need to give them uh, sort of structure, but you also need to give them space, blah, blah, blah. And the normal kind of balancing parenting stuff uh, that is the subject of the opinion piece. But yes, when you have context like that, certain um, translations of characters can alter slightly because you're, it falls into a larger content uh, context. So as a result, you can say, Yao, which normally would in one sentence alone would just mean will or um, or want to. Uh, when you have it in the context of a larger point, it might be saying that like you should give them this and you should also give them that. And because they're both things that you must do as a parent at some point, you can say yao, but it still could be translated as should because you're making several points, right? So another example of why a translation is really hard. Uh, but, and why Google translates is, you know, the longer the text is, the more Google translates going to be wrong because it depends on more than just one sentence. And like, 
it just depends on the person's meaning, which might not even be clear totally to themselves. So it's like, you know, there's so many reasons why translation is hard. Uh, but secondly, uh, you know, when you have longer content, that can alter the meanings of characters slightly. But it's like, but don't worry about it. Like, that's the type of thing that go, well, how will I know? And it's like, you're just going to know because you'll have the context of the rem of the rest of the paragraph. His second question here. 这里的空间好小. I would have thought the that hun would be used instead of how to describe that very little. Can you help me understand why how is used? So you may recall from pronunciation mastery, we talked about this very early. I mean, it was a long time ago at this point for Jason. Uh, but uh, how, while it can, you know, of course, be an adjective meaning good, it can also be an adverb meaning very. And uh, people use it all the time in that way. Uh, so how and hun are pretty interchangeable. Um, you know, hun can sometimes be just is, you know, uh, he is happy. Uh, but if you say, it's he's very happy, but um, they're pretty interchangeable in that way. Jason on shen in context. A bit thrown off by the ordering here. What is the function of d? Is I do backwards. Why is it do after I? Am I understanding the literal translation correctly? Every parent for their children loves every deeply? No. So I think what Jason is struggling with here is that he's trying to force I into the sentence as a verb. But uh, what you can tell from your grammar uh, feeling here. So I just want to point out, Jason asks a lot of questions about grammar. And uh, this is why overanalyzing causes problems. Because if you're trying to force a round peg into a square hole, it can make this type of sentence hard. Whereas if you just use your grammar feeling, you'll go, make a fumu. He says, what's the function of, of here? Well, what always comes after It's like, it's usually things that are possessed, which are nouns. So what we're talking about here is love is a noun. And because Jason, I think, is trying to force love to be a verb, because he goes, well, it must be a verb. Well, I need, it must be a verb. So the sentence struggles to make sense. Whereas if you just switch I to being a noun, suddenly the sentence makes perfect sense. And you don't have to do that consciously. You can just say, uh, I. Well, okay, it must be a noun because verbs don't come after D. Um, right? So, so the love that parents fear, feel for their children is deep, is always deep, right? So that's the way you could translate this. So the the love, the noun love, the, the overall concept of their love. And so, you know, this is the type of thing where you want to just trust your grammar module. Mega well, whatever came after duh must be a noun or, you know, so it's like, you know, you could think of it that way. And, and this happens a lot in Chinese. A lot of times words can change their uh, form. So like, uh, and sometimes this happens in modern Chinese on, on the internet. It happens all the time where they'll take what was um, previously one type of word and they'll change it to another type of word. And the way that you know is how they use it in a sentence. So, for example, nanren is man. That's the word for man. Uh, and people will say, oh, 这很难人. and you go, well, what? 很难人. That doesn't make sense, right? Because 
Nanren's a noun, but you put hun before adjectives usually. But what it's saying, what they're doing is they're making Nanren into an adjective. They're basically saying like, oh, that's very manly, right? And so um, another one is uh, Jai. This uh, character, Zhu Jai, uh, it's a part of the word Zhu Jai, which means like housing. Um, so like a housing area. This uh, zone of the city is for Zhu Jai, it's for housing. But that character Jai ended up becoming an adjective a few years back. People would refer to themselves as Hun Jai to mean that they are a homebody. They, they really, they're the type of person who enjoys being at home. So this is an example of where you can use the sentence structure to see how the word form changes. But yeah, just to be clear, like there's no, I, I don't have a, any problem with Jason asking this question. I'm not trying to uh, say that it's a bad question. It's just like uh, you can use the context clues of the sentence and other sentences you've used to help you figure, figure it out. Jason Pan on shi shi in context. Is shi supposed to mean the when in the translation? That's right. In slightly more formal writing, I mean, formal, again, it's formal is there's boundaries between formal and casual, but uh, in spoken Chinese, you'll usually say de shi hao to indicate when. So, yu dao ma fan de shi hao. Um, but if you're in a slightly more formal or writing context, you might just use shi. Um, but if you use shi by itself, you don't use de. So, or which both mean like when encountering trouble. That's what they both translate to when encountering trouble. And so, that's the when. Or, is when. Um, they're both fine. Usually you should use in um, spoken Chinese because A, it gives you a little bit more time and it's a bit more common. People use a bit more common in spoken Chinese. So, could the sentence also be, I think, I think he just meant to say, he had a yo there. There's there's no, you, you wouldn't use yo in that context. So yeah, the, the sentence that he wrote here is, is missing something. So like you might say, that would be okay, which is, and that's just a conditional statement. So means like in the case of, in, in, in case you, if you come across trouble, then you should certainly try many times um but no no the way you wrote the sentence it, it's uh you wouldn't put yo after yu jason on daozi in context i reckon na can be both hold and pick up as per the translation yeah that's right yeah sure you know, you know na is usually the process of picking something up but it can also just be to hold uh you know naisha or whatever but like you know, whatever it is, uh, na shang. It's usually na shang if you're just talking about the very basic thing. And the opposite is fang xia. So, ba shou ji na shang. So that's the process of taking my phone and picking it up. Ba shou ji na shang. And now, ba shou ji fang xia. Fang xia.
right? So that's uh, that's how that works there. Jason on Jihua in context. So he brings up two sentences here. He says, 我计划明天去拍照. And 我们计划明年结婚. So the first sentence is, we plan to go take photos tomorrow. And the second sentence is, we plan to get married next year. So he says, both of these sentences have 计划 before the time. Uh, he put menzi. I think he meant to put 计划 before the time. Is this an exception uh, for this verb? I believe the rule is that time comes before the verb. Again, Jason, you're thinking about rules too much. Um, so the rule goes, applies, but so like when there's a lot of rules, when there's a rule in one case, like the basic Chinese sentence is subject plus time plus location plus doing what? Well, as soon as you add in another element, then that rule is no, long, no longer applies. So in this case, this is why you can't do linguistic analysis of everything because you're just going to drive yourself crazy. Like in this sentence, 我计划明天去拍照。计划 is a verb. 去 is a verb. 拍照 is a verb. So we have three verbs in the sentence. It's not a basic sentence. It's not the basic Chinese sentence at this point. So that's right off the bat, that's why it's, you know, not going to follow the rules of the previous sentence, because we're talking about a multi-verb sentence. Now, when we're talking about multi-verb sentences, the uh, word order tends to affect the meaning. So, uh, for example, 我明天计划去拍照, uh, could be okay, but the feeling there is that uh, you're saying, Tomorrow I'm planning to, or tomorrow I'm going to plan to uh, take pictures. But 计划 means to calculate and draw a border, and it usually means the plan has already happened. It's already taken place. You've, you've made the plan. So if you say 我计划明天去拍照, then the implication is that the plan is made, and the plan is tomorrow go... Um, take photos. So if you put 明天 before 计划, then the implication is that tomorrow you're going to make the plan. It's like it, it feels like it hasn't happened yet. And that that's the point of the sentence is that, uh, but it, once you do that, then it feels weird because you're saying you're going to, tomorrow you're going to make a plan to go uh, take photos. It sounds like you've already made the plan. So really to me, it should be 我计划 明天去拍照, in the second sentence, 我们计划明年结婚, we plan to get married next year, if you put 明年 before 计划, it would feel like you're saying next year we'll make a plan to get married. That feels more plausible because um, the, you know, it, it's like a year is a long time and you could say that's when you're planning to, you'll, you'll put off making the plan until next year. Um, but the the issue with multi-verb sentences, and in this sentence, the two verbs are 计划 and 结婚. In multi-verb sentences, the word order matters more. So 我们计划明年结婚 uh, is we've made a plan already to get married next year. So hopefully that uh, helps. And, you know, <laughs> Jason, like you, you, get, you give great questions and the questions provide great content for the course. So keep them coming. Keep them coming. Please don't take my, um, you know, I'm just trying to be straight about what I know will help you, which is to 
not focus too much on the rules. And I know it's annoying. <laughs> I get it because you want to like just you want to have the rules in a book that you can just follow and go, well, this is just how it is. But no language is really like that in the end because there's always variability and there's always new things coming in. So the key is really just to keep reading, keep getting more things coming in and build up your own sense of how things work within your brain. And then what will happen naturally is you'll be able to feel things out. You'll be able to feel out what something, what makes sense about something. Because my explanations of these things aren't coming from knowing the grammar books. They're coming from knowing Chinese, like, and just, well, feeling Chinese. So, um, yeah, I just want to, like, you know, it's, uh, I hope that I'm not coming across as being, like, pejorative. <laughs> we do really appreciate it. Two questions this time. Thanks in advance. First sentence. The translation is, don't keep talking. I've only seen zai as a single occurrence of a future action. Here, the translation is continuous in nature rather than single occurrence. Yeah, so like, bie, don't, zai, again, shuo, uh, speak, and then like, le is indicating now, you know, you're stopping now. Like, now's the moment that you don't speak again. Uh, so the implication is that the person's talking, and you're saying, stop, <laughs> you know, like stop talking. Uh, and so it's, I think this mostly has to do with the fact that talking in and of itself is kind of this continuous action. If you're saying, uh, if you're, if you want somebody to stop doing that continuous action, this is the way you could express it. Um, and is a way of saying like, say that again. And that's a one instance, but has this kind of like, continuation feel to it. It's like again, but again means like if again is applied to a continuous verb, like sure, something that you're continuously doing all the time, you're talking, you're continuing to get, get across your point, whatever. Um, it's not like a thing, like I snap my finger done. Right. Um, right. And like, so I did it again one time, but like if it's talking and it's a continuous action, die more means like continue right in that way uh or whatever, you know in this case so yeah it's it's kind of cool that jason's recognizing this because die is like we translate it as again but it kind of depends on the context as usual <laughs> second sentence shouldn't the order be ni i instead of i ni as it is people you love this way seems more intuitive in the general subject verb object sense. Well, bie shanghai. So don't hurt shanghai. Uh, that's literally like wound harm. <laughs> it's a it's a cool word and it's easy to uh, orally confuse it with the city Shanghai, but it's shanghai. Uh, bie shanghai. Ai ni de ren. So what is going on here? Well, Ren is the object. Then before Ren comes a Dingyu. So a Dingyu is the description of either a subject or an object. Uh, so uh, the description of a subject, um, you know, might be Mama is a subject. Wada Mama. It's still Mama as a subject, but now it's more descriptive. It's Wada Mama, my mom, right? So in this case, Ren has a description before it. I need de ren. People who love you. So the sentence should translate as 
don't hurt the people who love you. Not don't hurt the people you love. It's slightly different. I mean, hopefully it's mutual. <laughs> the people who love you, you also love them. But, uh, you know, it's the sentence, um, to be honest, it could be either, actually. Bie Shanghai, ni eideren. That would be fine. In that case, it's don't hurt the people you love. What kind of people? The people you love. Or, I need the ren. What kind of people? The people who love you. Changing the I and the need just just changes the locus of the love. The locus of the love. I like that. Yeah. So, um, in that case, the word order is uh, either one is fine, and you can kind of get the sense of how they're slightly different. Next, on uh, bieren in context. Could this also have worked with bie sui bian xiang xin bie ren? If so, would have been a good way to see bie's versatility in the same sentences. Don't do this. I agree. Yeah, that, would be, that could be fine. Bu yao and bie uh, can be used pretty much interchangeably. Um, bu yao, it, it, you know, bie is, is, can be clearer for an early learner because bu yao can also mean to not want something or that you will not do something, but it can mean don't, do not, right? Bu yao. Don't just casually believe other people, right? Um, but uh, uh, would be also fine. And so, yeah, sure. By itself means don't. And is uh, other people. So, yeah, you're right. That's a good way of getting across the versatility of Jason on 加班 in context. 最近年轻人加班的时间 is the de here relating to the young people's overtime with shijian? Lately, the shijian time that young people are working overtime is becoming longer, greater. I want to make sure I'm understanding this grammar. So, ban. So, first of all, ban is it can be a class or a work team, and so to shang ban is to go to work. So you're getting on top of. The class you're you're getting shang can also have this feeling of getting in like you shang chu uh, so shang ban you're getting into the class you're getting into the team you're going to work right so that's the idea there and then xia ban is to get off work and then so that's you know you're getting down from the class in that case and you're getting off work and jia ban well that means to add work aka overtime and so overtime could be one minute. It could be an hour. It could be 10 hours, right? So, 加班的时间 is the amount of time that counts as overtime, right? So, the amount of time, the so, you know, you could say, 最近年轻人加班的时间越来越长了 means that before, it was like they had an hour of overtime in a week. And now, they, and then later they had two, and then they had a... Uh, uh, three and now it's uh, five and so it's getting longer and longer the amount of overtime so that's the in shijian there like it's a the connection between the overtime and the amount of time right so yeah yeah i think it sounds like you pretty much have the long and the short of it there jason jason on qian tian in context two questions here thanks what qian tian why can you help me understand why why is after guo to indicate leaving the country? Since I know that this is different from wai guo, which means foreign. So when you say wai guo, the main character in the sentence is guo, and wai is just describing what type of guo, right? So there's this joke in China uh, that 
there are only two countries. There's Zhongguo and Waiguo. Uh, and luckily, Chinese people have started to you know, make fun of themselves with this a little bit because obviously <laughs> that's a bit of a silly perspective, but it, it does show a little bit of how China has viewed itself historically. They were kind of the center of economic activity in the entire world for uh, 1500 years. So um, and they're, you know, largely returned to that position with uh, a bit more of uh, a bit more adversaries than they used to have. But uh, I shouldn't even say adversaries, a bit more competition than they used to have. And uh, so what, but what you're focusing on there with Waiguo is the area, the, the, the Guo, the country, the kingdoms that are outside, right? Um, but that's the focus. Whereas Guo, why? Why is the focus, which means to say the border of the Guo, the, the focus of the word is that outside of the border is where you are. You use Guo, why? To refer to where someone is or where something is in relation to borders. So, 我前天去了国外. I went outside, I went abroad. I went outside the borders. I went abroad, right? Whereas um, if you said 我前天去了外国, it would feel more like, it, it would just feel too broad, right? You know, but if you would, you might say 外国的商品, foreign products, you know, uh, so that's an example where you would use Waiguo or Waiguo Ren, foreigner, a foreign person, right? Uh, so the that's the difference there is that you'll usually use Guo Wai or Guo Nei. Guo Nei would be domestic, you know, things that are happening within the borders, right? So uh, it's more about borders and where things are in relation to those borders with Guo Wai and Guo Nei. And then uh, Waiguo is more about describing foreign things like people or products or whatever. So, 前天早上我放在桌子上的面包不见了. What I'm trying to work on is being able to keep cognizant of the phrase that the de is connecting to the subject, or in this case, 面包. I read this as, I can't see the bread that I put on the table two mornings ago. Is this correct to see 前天早上我放在桌子上 as the entire phrase that should be connected via the de. No, I would say it's um, 我放在桌子上的. So, 前天早上. That's just establishing the time, which you can do at the beginning of the sentence if you want. And then you have a 多向定语. So this dingyu, we brought up earlier in the podcast, but to bring it up again here, a dingyu is something that is added on to either the subject or the object um, that is describing it in further detail. That's all a dingyu is. And a duoxiang dingyu is more than one. So if I say mianbao as a subject, I could just say mianbao不见了. That's a perfectly fine sentence. It means the bread has dis has disappeared. By the way, "不见了." Uh, uh, Jason was translating this as "I can't see the bread." That's not really how you translate it. "不见了" is disappeared. You can't see it. You know, so it's a the when Chinese people use it, there what they're getting across is that my bread's disappeared. Where is it gone? You know. So, but you could say "面包不见了." Uh, and that would be a perfectly fine sentence. It's a subject "面包" with no I could say 我的, uh, 我的面包不见了 That has one 
定语, so it's not just 面包, it's 我的面包. Now, if I add anything else, it then becomes a 多项定语. And this is all just grammatical language, it doesn't really matter. It's just a way of understanding that you could add lots of different things to describe the 面包 if you wanted to. Um, so, uh, for example, 我放在桌子上的 面包. So really there's three here. So we have 我的面包, we have 我桌子上的面包, right? So that would be okay, because that indicates that the uh, 面包 belongs to you and it's on the table, but it um, wasn't necessarily placed there by you. But then you go 我放在桌子上的面包 is the bread that I placed on the table, right? Uh, and, you know, actually by saying 我放在桌子上的面包, it could theoretically not be your bread. It might just be bread that you put on the table. Um, but still, it's we've got these um, different descriptions of the bread. And that's all that's happening there. So 前天早上 is just the establishment of the time. It's unrelated specifically. And then 我放在桌子上的面包, all that that comes before 面包 is a 多项定语 describing the 面包. And then just what happened to it? 不见了. It's gone. It's disappeared. Finally, we'll move on to the movie scene shares, which are focused on full mnemonic scenes that cover an individual character in the Mandarin Blueprint Method course. The first one is from Will Rarely on Make a Movie for 姐. So the keyword is older sister. J.I. actor in the E set and in the living room for third tone. The props are Brie Larson for Nu on the left and a bookcase for Tsia on the right. So let's see what Will comes up with. J.I. actor is in the E set living room and Brie Larson's older sister is locked in the bookcase. Brie Larson cries for the J.I. actor to break open the bookcase. J.I. with all her power breaks open the bookcase Brie Larson is reunited with her older sister. Nice. I mean, like, it's a, it's quite uh, simple. You know, um, the thought I would have is that, like, because I like that there's a natural emotional tension to the scene. So, like, there's, like, oh, it's locked in the bookcase. I'm upset. It's an emotional tension. Something needs to be done. That's how the J.I. actor gets involved. Uh, but the question is, what can we do to make Brie Larson's older sister very clearly her older sister? And so maybe what we do is it's just, like, she looks just like Brie Larson, but she has a different color hair and she's slightly taller or something like that. That way we can make it clear. And maybe they're wearing like, they're both wearing school uniforms and, the you know, Brie Larson's wearing the middle school uniform and her older sister's wearing the high school uniform as an example. Like these are just things you could do to indicate these two people are related and this one's older than this one. You know, and obviously... You know, you could get technical and say, well, you know, sometimes uh, the younger sister is taller than the older sister, but that it's not the point. You're just trying to get it clear that this is the older sister because that's what this character means. Nice. Will Rayleigh on Make a Movie for Yi, which means suitable. By the way, this character is used in Yijia, which is uh, the name of Ikea in Chinese. So suitable home. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. All right. Suitable, the actor is the YI female actor in the childhood home kitchen. We got a trash bin and a bookcase here. Uh, trash bin on top and the bookcase on the bottom. Nice. The YI actor is in the 
childhood home kitchen, and she's there to gain a new bookcase for herself as long as it is suitable for her. The bookcase she sees there is not suitable because it's very ugly. The YI actor is angry that she went all the way for a non-suitable bookcase. She tosses the bookcase in the trash bin, then she thinks the bookcase is suitable for that, at least. <laughs> well, now that you know that um, yi is also a part of the word for yi jia, uh, maybe what she does at the end is she heads, you look out the window and she's heading over to an Ikea that has just been built outside the kitchen window to get a more suitable uh, bookcase, which is something that you would buy at Ikea. So, <laughs> nice. Make a movie for Bay from Will. He says... The uh, keyword is North. His actor is somebody he knows named Brian in the EI set in the living room. The props are ice, Gandalf's staff, and a Chinese spoon. In the living room of the EI set, Brian wants to know which direction is North. Brian drops a Chinese spoon on the floor. Brian then uses Gandalf's staff to magically make the Chinese spoon point North. Brian looks North and can see the ice of the North Pole. Nice. So that's a great finishing touch there because of course that's what we associate with going far north is things, you know, uh, get colder and icier and all of that. So, and of course you can have the, the spoon doing that thing that compasses do where they're trying to like get their bearings. And then finally it's like, it settles and is clearly pointing. I think that's a great scene. Very clear. Uh, excellent stuff there from Will. Rick Santos on make a movie for Chang. So this character, Chang, means like the a location of some type. Uh, you know, for example, um, there's loads of different um, Changs. Ting Chu Chang is the parking lot, right? So that's a, a an area that's for what? It's for Ting Chu. Um, Chang is not usually used. I don't think you can use it alone. I think it's only a morpheme. So it's usually something before Chang. Um, you know. Uh, Soccer field. So for the, the Chang, for football. So uh, football field. Yeah. Soccer field, football field. Um, you know, lots of different Changs. They're all they're all around. So anyway, Rick's scene. CH actor is now a general of his army in his ANG set. He built a Trojan horse, which is his prop for the right side with built-in wheels for mobility on land, which is the left side component. This could be a perfect attraction to trap his unsuspecting enemies in a gathering place, a chang. Extra, he could let them bring the Trojan horse right at their opponent's field, ke chang, which is, uh, yeah, like it's if you're visiting opponents, like you, you have a home team and an away team, from the away team's perspective, the home team's field is the ke chang, right? It's the, Away, it's the guest's field. So uh, he could let them bring the Trojan horse right at his opponent's field or their public square, Guangchang, or even their marketplace, Shichang. It would be a terrible scene, Xianchang, indeed. So yeah, the, the Xianchang, that's a good, like, sort of metaphorical way of seeing Chang, because Xian means, like, present or now, so the Xianchang is the scene, like the scene of the crime, right? You know, that type of thing. Um, or what a terrible scene it's been. Um... Yeah, nice. Great stuff there from uh, Rick to help come up with the idea around this character. Rick Santos on Make a Movie for Kong, which means to control. One of the words I always think of with Kong is 
Yao Kong. So Yao means distant and Kong means control. So uh, distant or remote. So Kong control, remote control. It's like uh, Yao Kong is the, what you, the thing you use to control your TV and stuff. So K actor worked the right bottom component hard to clean and emptied the full right side component, his backyard in the ONG set. Okay, so Rick is taking a slightly like more metaphorical thing here because he's saying, you know, work hard to clean and empty. So he's, he's not actually using props there. He's just showing like that the one prop on the bottom right is representative of work and that the ending of the process of working out the backyard is making it empty. Okay, fine. So he's emptying the backyard of the ONG set. But later, he left the backyard empty for some time. Then suddenly, strangers jumped over the fence, came in, and invaded his backyard. Reacting quickly, the K-actor took the upper hand. He drove the strangers away and guarded his backyard with his arm E. <laughs> yeah, hand equals arm, right? So that's the left side. His arm E. <laughs> it's kind of silly, but I like it. And took control of his backyard again. K-actor learned his lesson, emptiness can be easily manipulated kong, by others. Yeah, because kong means control or manipulate. So, uh, for example, tao uh, kong is to manipulate something. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Rick's stories are always uh, quite interesting. In the intermediate course, that, that type of thing is totally uh, excellent. Rick Santos on Make a Movie for Hu. So Hu is like... Um, to protect, you know, bao uh, hu is a really common word that uses this, which means to protect or take care of something, you know. So Humpty Dumpty lives in the null set. Installed in his bathroom is a mechanized window, similar to the bank teller's window, which is the right side component. To open and get fresh air, he uses his hands, the left side component, to crack the gears to open the window. In this way, he will not fall into the backyard whenever he looks down from the window. He is well protected, Hu. All the while, a nurse, Hu Shi, keeps an eye on him and keeps his passport, Hu Zhao, safe. Right, nice. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It's kind of funny how the passport is your, you know, protected picture, your protected image. <laughs> um, and the Hu Shi is the, uh, it's a great name for a nurse. It's like the protecting soldier. I like that for a nurse, especially after 2020. Soren on Make a Movie for Shan. So Shan, that's a great character. It means like benevolent. So like Shan Liang is like, this is how you would describe a good person. Ta Han Shan Liang. Like uh, just very, uh, that, that's a good guy. Motivated by goodness. The Rolling Stone's mouth is eating a sheep. Well, that's not very good. <laughs> the Rolling Stone's mouth is eating a sheep. My SH actor, Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, is in my A actor's bathroom as devoted vegan pulling the sheep out of the mouth with a Viking helmet, as it is a non-benevolent thing to be eating other living creatures, especially animals. Virtuous and benevolent, right? So, yeah, the Viking helmet you know, is uh, the, the final component there. So we have mouth, sheep, Viking helmet, all in there. And, uh, you know, I think that that's pretty clear. Certainly, it got it caught my eyes. Like, the Rolling Stone's mouth is eating a sheep. That's not benevolent. So he's using contrast there to get across, you know, uh, the meaning of the character. Nick Sims on Make a Movie for S. This is one of my favorite characters, by the way. Uh, S is... The top component is field, tian. But when this component is used 
in other characters, it tends to carry the meaning of brain. And so what we have here is brain and heart. And so brain is what you need and your heart is what you need if you're going to consider something. And that's what this character means to consider. Snoop Dogg is outside the entrance of my childhood home trying to solve a Rubik's Cube, which is the top component here, but it's taking his brain. <laughs> he is having so much trouble that his heart is beating very fast, very hard, so hard that he faints from the intensity. He thinks, maybe I sh should consider another less stressful game. Uh, yeah, sure, this is a good one, I think. I think it's very uh, clear. You got the heart beating fast. You can feel that tactily, uh, the Rubik's Cube and the brain. Um, you know, certainly you can have the facial expressions of how he's thinking. You know, you can have him going, hmm, thinking, hmm, and all of that. So totally great stuff here. And that will do it for this week's Mandarin Blueprint podcast. Thank you for listening as always. If you have questions and you'd like them to be talked about in the podcast, shoot us an email at podcast at mandarinblueprint.com. And of course, go over to mandarinblueprint.com. We now are offering installment plans on our full bundle. So uh, you know, if you can't quite afford to purchase our full bundle right away, you can pay for it over 12 months and it's a rent to own situation. So after the 12 months of payments or six months or three months or two months, you can pick your plan, uh, then you'll own it. Uh, and that's including all of our current courses, Pronunciation Mastery, Phases 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and the Intermediate Course, which covers 1,530 characters, 4,000 plus words, and we're always building on it. So like, it's not even just a thing that you buy that just stays the same all the time, which would still be worth the value that it is. We're always continuing to add to it. Um, and so a few people have asked, is this going to include the, would the full bundle include the advanced course in the future? And the answer is no, the advanced course will be an additional course later, and then we'll restructure our pricing, but the uh, advanced course won't be out for a while. So for now, if you're interested in uh, owning the Mandarin Blueprint method, you can now do it in the rent-to-own installment fashion, which is a lot more tenable for many people. So uh, go to mandarinblueprint.com slash pricing to learn more about that and just click the installments tab. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next week.